Welcome everyone. I'm Vicki Vasiliga, Director of the Clinical Specialist and Scientist section here at ACHP. And thanks for tuning in for this COVID-19 special edition episode. As we all know, COVID-19 has presented many clinical, operational, and educational challenges in the past year. With that in mind, ASHP is sharing insights and lessons learned presented by your peers from the 2020 Mid-Year Clinical Meeting so that you can incorporate these best practices into your own as we all do our part in caring for our patients. It is really hard to describe just how surreal life during the COVID-19 pandemic feels right now. We're being pressured to do more with less and at the same time contribute to revenue to whittle away at that absolutely staggering loss that our facilities are experiencing. We sometimes talk about recover and if we look at the definition of recover, it means to get back, to regain, to return to normal. But it also may have some really uncommon elements that can be very complex and very multidimensional. And as we speak, recovery seems to be sliding backwards again and then just needing to charge forward. So we're going to talk a lot today about how we can deal with that and the various things that are happening. What is clear is that patients aren't returning as anticipated or if they did for a short time when the pandemic seemed to abate, that reversed as various waves came through. And we have to come to grips and solve systemic issues that predate the pandemic, because some of these old things are, are the stumbling blocks of us moving forward. So it's not just recovering, it's actually rebuilding. And I think one of the questions you have to ask yourself is if you have the tools, do you really have the tools to generate new revenue streams? And you may need to right-size your expectations. One of the things that we often hear that uh, people are talking about is the, the feeling that they are just backpedaling and firefighting. And rather than being able to move ahead, they just feel mired down in uh, the position that they're in right now. So one of the things that we have to ask ourselves is how, we can, how can we prepare for that new normal when the normal keeps changing? And what's the next normal? So some experts are predicting that the normalization of business operations really could take many, many months, well, well into 2021 and perhaps even a bit into 2022. The world is waiting for vaccines. It's seeming that they're coming pretty quickly, but to vaccinate the entire world to get up to herd mentality is, is a far distance away still. So while we're waiting for all of that to transpire, what we need to be working on is improving the infrastructure that we have that has to move to the top of your priority list. And that has to do, from a pharmacy perspective, not just to be in the clinical offerings that you have, but also in the data quality that you have, in knowing the payer and the payer's requirements, in being able to submit everything that you submit accurately and completely so that you actually do get paid, and to take a very good, hard, long look at what's holding you back. And some of the things as I work with people uh, and ask them what's holding you back, the things that come about are old, cumbersome IT 
systems that are just not up to being able to use all of the newer capabilities or perhaps even to use the capabilities that you bought but just never implemented. Shortcuts and workarounds that are coming back to haunt you, staff being unwilling to or facilities being unwilling to pivot quickly, a reluctance to embrace the site of care changes that are happening all around us, a patient-inpatient-first mentality where we couple that with site of care issues and find ourselves sort of stumbling around trying to figure out how we're going to move people out of the inpatient arena and into the outpatient site of care. A reluctance to let go and move on from stagnant, dated SOPs. A lack of awareness or naiveness as to how to do certain things like improving revenue or working on telehealth or other IT issues or fear of insecurity, just keeping us sort of grounded uh, in one spot rather than moving forward. But I think that what we have to realize is that the acceleration and the adoption of telehealth, virtual care, in-home care that use both traditional and non-traditional measures are where we're going to be moving forward. And we have to recognize that consumerism is not just an industry trend, but a mandatory business tenant. And so that everything that we try to design or do moving forward has to keep the patient as a consumer front and center of where we are. So let's talk about how some of these things uh, can happen. So hospitals are facing lower patient volumes for a while, and you know various people have responded in various ways. Some have had drastic decisions, like some of the things that are listed here. Some want to try to enhance new revenue streams. Some have furloughed people, and that always um, you know makes me sort of wonder how can you come up with all the new revenue streams and put those into place when you furloughed the very people that are going to be working on them so that's not necessarily uh, the best uh, way to move forward but let's jump in and talk about some of the other things that we have to think about and, and one of those is is right up front I'm going to say uh, avoiding crisis missteps so like all leaders pharmacists need to be adaptive when they're confronted by extreme and unknown or potential dangers. And we do know that we're working in a, an area of stress and often the cause of threat rigidity or the freezing of innovation and relying on what has worked for us in the past is what prevents us from moving forward. So we have to try with all our might to avoid these missteps and address right up front the three common traps that we might find ourselves in narrow thinking, deferring to the leader, and conformity. We have to be open to new ways of doing things. So let's start a little bit by talking about the importance of where data sits in all of this, because the data uh, that we are able to record through what we do in pharmacy, through all of our coding and charting, is going to be what tells the patient pandemic story when this is all over and done. And so as I said a little bit earlier, focusing on the future means focusing on patient centricity. And I'm going to ask you, are you taking steps to pivot to this? So 
what do we mean by patient centricity? Well, patients are increasingly involved and influential in their healthcare decisions. They're empowered and involved in a variety of things. They want data. They want data to be able to advocate for their own healthcare. And so to respond to this, healthcare providers, including pharmacy, must support positive patient outcomes that they're happy with and prioritize patient experiences, not necessarily the way we would in the past think about doing something. And we have to be open to responding to feedback and analytics and understand how patients live with their conditions in the new sites of care, including telehealth, that they are participating in moving forward throughout the pandemic. So any cracks in your patient's patient experience is signaling that the patient experience is about to break. And from a very interesting uh, virtual event that I was able to participate in, there were a lot of indications of where those little cracks may start happening. So we're not going to discuss all of them, but I urge you to come back to this slide and have a look at it uh, and just see if this applies to anything that you're doing at your facility. We have to be aware of governance. So regardless of our tax status, whether we're profit or not-for-profit facilities, success as a business is essential to be able to continue operating. We can't be charitable to the extreme of not having any money to operate. The product is the same for both of us, whether we're tax earning or tax exempt. Providing quality healthcare, and there's no room for mediocrity in this. So with healthcare under increased scrutiny, a Board of Governors' responsibilities are becoming more and more complex. And that board has to take a status or a, a position, if you will, in talking about the importance of data governance. So effective boards and committees in your hospitals will certainly rely on the contributions that the individuals will make, but they are responsible for ensuring compliance and audit and at this moment need to be strengthening the relationship with their partners, including payors. And when we do that, that, that harkens back to the importance of the absolute need for accuracy in everything that we put forward that is going to go to a payer and subsequently drive our business success. So accurate data forms the building blocks. And this is where outdated systems may fail you and may need some addressing. So data in pharmacy has the potential to either be immensely useful or incredibly detrimental. And for pharmacists to maximize the data available to them, it must be accurate and actionable. Now, I'm not trying to sound like a broken record, but this is definitely one of the themes that we're going to focus on for the balance of the presentation. So pharmacy's role in healthcare environments could be in your system or not. Because we have so many environments now as the, one that we, the ones that we see listed here on the left-hand side of the, of the slide. And each of those environments, as we see on the right-hand slide, has its own payer relationships and requirements, its own revenue cycle stages, reimbursement requirements, types of contracts, which could be government or commercial, fee-for-service, managed care, or value-based, 
And each one of those will have peculiarities in how you structure and manage compliance and data of data in integrity, clinical documentation, and all of the rest of the things that are listed in this particular list. So integrity and data governance must be a part of the facility culture from the top down. You have the role that you play in the pharmacy, but the integrity picture needs to come from the absolute top of the organization all the way down through it. But when we get to what pharmacy is doing and their relationship with RevCycle, when their relationship with the data informaticist, et cetera, one of the one of the tenets of getting it correct is to just banish that set it, forget it, and don't check it mentality. So if that still is how your pharmacy functions, I'm going to put that as one of the number one things that needs to get corrected, like ASAP. Because those digital capabilities that healthcare is dependent on have significant effects on revenue. And anything problematic in setting up those files is going to have that major impact on revenue as well. It is astounding to think that missing information accounts for 60% of initial medical bill denials and 42% of write-offs. And you can't afford that at this particular point in time. So I think you all have to ask yourselves, what's the cross-functional approach to denial management and what can I do to make it better from a pharmacy perspective? Obviously, a renewed focus on billing and reimbursement and optimizing the revenue cycle. And some of you have had success in doing this, others of you haven't. So I give you a, a, a list here of things that you might want to try after uh, presentations are over and you're back from the mid-year, so to speak, and work on some of these particular issues. Who is involved in the revenue cycle? There's three components. The payer could be commercial or government the medical center of which you're a component in which you are responsible for electronically submitting a complete clean claim that meets the payer requirements. And of course, the patient who's counting on the healthcare facility and the providers to do the right thing to get their insurance company to pay up and not send them a bill, putting them into financial toxicity. So one of the problems has been uh, interoperability between uh, the various systems. And of course, the ONC and the new CMS rulings are addressing some of those interoperability issues coming up in uh, several months. So let's focus a little bit on Medicare, because Medicare is the single, single largest payer, and others follow their lead. And so just looking around the circle, we have uh, the inpatient, the outpatient, the Medicare Advantage, which means that the patient has opted to go out of traditional Medicare and put themselves into a managed care program. And then, of course, we have Part D, which covers the outpatient uh, prescriptions. So if we look at a patient who comes to our outpatient facility, uh, we see that the patient tells their story to a variety of people and uh, those things that they uh, have as uh, labs, 
tests, et cetera, are uh, coded as well as are any prescription drugs or specialty drugs. And all of that goes into the pharmacy system, the hospital system, the lab system, et cetera, as either ICD-10 codes, CPT codes, HCPCS codes, or modifiers to those codes. There is no words that actually transmit to the payer. All of the data that has been coded and put into the computer system goes to the payer and then the payer hopefully pays the facility and sells the data to the big data pool in which future discussions of payment are actually going to be made. So let's move and think a little bit about um, the pharmacy budget because a budget has two components. It has an income component which is going to come from the things that I just described on the previous slide and it has an expense component and sometimes I think that far too often we concentrate too much on the expense side and not enough on the revenue side. And I think we have to concentrate on building this and strive for ref cycle perfection in this. And that revenue side comes from drugs. It comes from drug administration fees. And it comes from collaborative agreements where we're being paid for clinical services. So rather than just focusing our efforts on trying to get the costs down, I think we need to uh, hype this side of the pharmacy budget up a bit. So success in uh, getting revenue for something that we do depends on having a perfect match between the HCPCS code, the billing units, and the status indicator and awareness. And a fail point in that is when there's a mismatch or incorrect billing unit crosswalks. The success is when we regularly review the progression of charges through the various systems and make sure that what we put in and expect comes out the other end. The fail point is where myths prevail and dollars are lost, which is really, really unfortunate. So another way of looking at that is that payment refusal is due to the lack of medical necessity, the lack of drug administration revenue, and underpayment due to billing unit errors, underpayment due to poor waste billing practices, or others that you will see listed here. But get the picture, you really hold the tools to prevent all of these. Thank you so much for listening and joining us today for this special edition podcast on COVID-19. Be sure to follow us at ASHP Official wherever you listen to your podcasts, and be sure to check out our COVID-19 Resource Center at ashp.org backslash COVID-19 for the most up-to-date developments on COVID-19. Take care and thank you for all you do.